Genesis 47 and part of chapter 48. The whole context of Genesis is very interesting and very important in reading the whole Bible. Why? Genesis means the beginning or origins. How was the world created? It was written there. But more so, how did Israel become a nation? This was the story of the nation of Israel, the beginnings of the nation of Israel. But before the call of Abraham, known as the father of many nations, and then after that was Isaac, and after that Jacob, whose name became Israel. Jacob, and if you have been following our series, you know that it was after he wrestled with God and said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the blessing to him was one, a change of name. You will no longer be known as Jacob, the supplanter, but you shall now be known as Israel, the prince of God. But even before that, if we study Genesis, there was a statement of the problem at the beginning. Very much like thesis and dissertation, right? Here, the problem was clearly stated. The problem was sin. The problem was sin starting from Adam and Eve, but then it persisted. It continued to persist until chapter 11. That was a statement of the problem. That's the context. When you study Genesis, it was the problem. The persistency of sin in the mind of man. And when God said, uh, fill the earth, go scatter yourself, fill the earth, the people of Babel said, no, we will not, in defiance against God. It was pride and arrogance expressed in defiance. We will not, but we will build a city here and build a tower. But that early, the intention of God was to spread the humans around the earth because the humans, us, we are supposed to take care of the earth. As we take care of the earth, the earth takes care of us. As we take care of the trees, we can get fruits from the trees. As we take care of the land, we can eat from the land. As we take care of, of nature through these things, the nature can also take care of us. That's why it is biblical, friends, for us to protect the environment. But that was the problem. The answer was really Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ had to be born through a nation where God would send his foreshadowings, his messages in preparation for the Christ to come. So Abraham was chosen, his family was chosen, Isaac was chosen, Jacob was chosen, Judah would be the one to, to be uh, the tribe with kings, Jesus would be from the tribe of Judah. Everything was planned. That's why the Bible is not some random things that were written by people, just humans, who wrote their philosophy and somebody put it together. No, no, it is divine. Now, if I challenge you, ask somebody from India to write their philosophy in life. Ask somebody from Africa. Ask somebody from the Middle East. Ask somebody from the Philippines to write... Uh, Produce 40 authors and let them write their, what they believe to be uh, what is life, what is, what is the essence of what we should do. Let them write their philosophies and put them all together. What do you think will be the result of that book? It will be a book full of contradictions. I have read the book, The Great Political Theories, and if you've taken that subject in social science, you'd see the writings of Aristotle, Socrates, and Plato right there in that book. But once you put it together, you read their articles, 
they were conflicting against each other. But the Bible was written by 40 authors from different cultures, different languages, different contexts. Then it was put together in a period of 1,500 years. No, I'm sorry, more than that. Put together, then there was this over-encompassing over plan that is so clear. Isn't God good? So whoever tells you it's only man who wrote the Bible, you respond, yes, men guided by the Spirit of God. Because how possible would that be? Again, let's go back to what I my challenge. Pick one from this country, from this country, from this country, from that country. Put it all together. Their perspective about life. It would be full of contradictions. But you put the Bible together, there is a recurring theme that is continuous. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. I mean, if I ask some of you here, you belong to the same culture, and I ask you about uh, what's your philosophy in life. Assuming you don't quote the Bible, and I put your perspectives together, it will be opposing. That is the beauty of Scripture. Now, in this grand story, there are micro-stories. Now, this is Jacob. This chapter, or these two chapters, cover the parts of the life of Jacob. Now, Jacob was seeing the grave. He had the grave in view. What do I mean by that? He felt like he's not far from the grave. I know a lot of us here never thought about that unless you are a Japanese samurai. Because the samurai, once he becomes a samurai, he believes that his purpose in life is to die. One day I shall die. But some of us who think ahead, we think of legacy even when we were still young. We're already thinking of, how can I build my children? What legacy do I leave to them? Because we have the grave within our eyesight. I had the grave in my eyesight long time ago, until today, because I believe in the perspective that nobody really knows when they will die. Do you know when you will die? Somebody went to a, a, a fortune teller. Manguhula, kailan ako mamamatay? When will I die? So the fortune teller gave a date. That person was so afraid that he had a heart attack before the date of his death. He died earlier because of the, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. So he died. Uh, God gave Jacob a satisfying end. Even though his years were shorter than his father and grandfather, Jacob, you see, had a good ending. And we want that. I want that. Everybody should desire that, a good ending. Many people say they encourage others. It's, it's how you end, because some people have started life not so good. So they're encouraged, it's how you end. That's my encourage to the middle-aged man. It's how you end, brother, even though you did not start well. My encouragement to the young is, you start well, you continue well, and you end well, all right? Jacob was separated from his parents for fear of his brother Esau. You remember 
Esau. Some of you remember him as Esau, right? Uh, Esau, Esau. He endured coexisting with his uncle Laban, who deceived him in many ways. Jacob saw the slaughter of a whole tribe through two of his sons due to the offense against their family. He lost his beloved wife before it was time. What do I mean by that? Well, if you die, it's your time, it's your time. We believe in that. But when we say it didn't feel time yet, was because she died younger than expected. And she only gave him two sons. He lost Rachel. He wasn't even able to bury Rachel in the ancestral burial site. Leah was there. Perhaps God chose Leah to be there. Jacob lost his favored son, Joseph. His sons lied to him. He was, uh, by showing the blooded tunic, he grieved. And Jacob went through a global grain crisis that could have killed the whole tribe. A global grain crisis. What a life, right? Do you want his life, anybody? Would like to trade with Jacob? Not me. But God's will be done. Amen? Not me because my life is uniquely mine and your life is uniquely yours. And God has his story and your story. You have your own story to tell. But near the end, Jacob was lived 17 years after his arrival in Egypt. That's still long, 17 years. He saw his family survive the famine through the leadership of Joseph, his long-lost son, whom he thought to be dead. And Jacob lived to be 147. That's kind of short compared to Abraham and Isaac. Jacob's life was rough and tough. But God gave him rest at the end. And I think that's a better ending. Rather than you had an easy life and you end up suffering in all areas. So God has still blessed Jacob. All his sons were together and all were secured and provided for. In the global grain crisis, while even the Egyptians were suffering, they were prospering. God is good. Sometimes we suffer now. Other times we do not suffer when others suffer. Such is life. That's why it's good to have a community. It was good that one of the family members God used to protect them from the famine. That's why it's good to, be, to learn to respect one another and be humble towards each other and respect each one's gifts because sometimes God will use one to lead and protect the others and at the, another time that person might be, not be as prosperous or as blessed but the others would rise up to be a blessing to others. And that's why I believe in community. I believe in strong families. And I believe in the church community because we are like a family where we support one another, where we help one another. Jacob's heart was still in 
Canaan, the land of promise. That is why he asked Joseph, bury me there. Not in the land of Egypt. He knew God promised him Canaan. Jacob knew that the, the descendants will eventually return to the land of promise. He knew that the descendants will return to the land of promise. Near the end, Jacob acknowledged God's hand that guided him. Sometimes when we go through the suffering, we don't see God. In fact, we say, God, where are you? And finally, he understood, oh, that's why Joseph was lost. Not really lost in God. God had to take him, prepare him, so one day he become ruler of Egypt to save the world and save the family. Now he understood, ah, that's why when we are going through the crisis, find God. Don't say God is not there. Where is God when this happened to me? He's right there. Don't you say that? Because when you say that, it means you do not understand the God of the Bible. Are you going through a crisis? God is there. Trust Him. You'll realize that that suffering in the end is all right. Looking back, I would see certain times I suffered mentally, emotionally, relationally. Then after a while, you look back and you thank God that He has a higher purpose all the time. So, Jacob asked to be buried with his ancestors. Joseph agreed. You see, no matter how glorious Egypt was, it was not the promise. Friends, sometimes you are so blessed here on this earth, but no matter how good life is at times, this is not the promise. The promise is to be with Him forever. The promise is to be in the arms of the Father forever. Because here is nothing compared to the glory that He has. But once we suddenly live by sight, we live according to the world's standard, then you shall be depressed. But then you look on God and His plan. If you look in the Bible, God's destiny for us, then therefore we long for the promise more than what we have here. That doesn't mean you should not work hard. Please do. That doesn't mean you should not work smart. You should not provide for your family. No, 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 no. We should do all that, but trusting that there is a better promise. You see, he was in Egypt. He was taken care of. No problem. His son was like a prince in Egypt. Joseph. Yet he knew, but this is not the promise. So when I die, you bring me back there. Jacob told of God whom he encountered and who gave him the promise of the land and the promise of many descendants. And yes, he told others about how God appeared to me in Luz and spoke to me. And he shared it to, to Joseph. He shared it to others. The same way we must share 
how we encountered God in our lives and share that to others. And then he mentioned as he was blessing Manasseh and Ephraim. Oh yeah, there was that issue with Joseph about his right hand, which would be sort of a greater blessing, should be put on the elder. Instead, he, he crossed his hands. I'm not sure whether he was biased because he was younger too. Or maybe he sensed God's plan. Because traditionally and commonly, it was the eldest son. Commonly. But scripture tells us that sometimes there's an exception. Sometimes there's an exception. So he blessed them. And he claimed them. He told Joseph, this will be my sons now. Actually, it is a sort of a promotion for the two. It should give happiness to Joseph. Joseph was given uh, uh, a land that he owned, Shechem, the area of Shechem. That's why Joseph would be buried in Shechem. But then he claimed this as my sons. That's why there will be a tribe of Manasseh and a tribe of Ephraim named among the other sons. Of course, Simeon would disappear one day as a tribe. So he shared about who God is to him. And you know what he said? He's the God who gave us promises. And I tell you scripturally, he has promises for all of us based on scripture. That's why we're here. That's why we have that blessed hope. That's why people who have not studied the Bible would say, oh, that was just written by man. For us, no. Yes, God used men guided by His Spirit. Amazingly interwoven in one collection of books called the Bible. Yet the theme was so clear. That's why we cannot just say, not just men. Not just men. Men guided by God wrote it. Can you imagine Isaiah writing that this king will be born in Bethlehem. And it was, he was born there. How exact was that? From the tribe of David. That he will suffer one day. Everything was clearly planned by God. So I tell you, nothing is by accident. And let me tell you, I might break some of your hearts. December 25 isn't the birth date of Jesus Christ. It's just a date that has become so popular to remember his birth. So, fine. It's not evil to remember his birth, right? But if you don't want to celebrate Christmas, then don't. You can be the the anti-hero. Uh, <laughs> but I celebrated. Why? Because their government made sure there were no, no, no work so families can come together. So we treat right now Christmas for families and friends to come together. Though it is not the birth date of Jesus. Nobody knows. Because when nobody knows, it means you don't really have to celebrate it. But we do, right? If you don't want, like I said, no problem with me. But do not judge us who do. 
I heard some people, you think they're scholars? It's not the birthday, so why celebrate Christmas? So I said, then don't. Remind me not to give you a gift, all right? <laughs> we have to tell others, especially our children, of the promises of God and mention that God is our shepherd. We must show that what we long for are not the things of the world, but the promises of God. We are, we are not dedicating this life to be a billionaire. We're not dedicating this life to be uh, remembered in the history books. If God allowed it, sure, praise God. But that is not our intention. Our intention is always we long for the promise of God. Because when this earth is gone, and the new earth comes, that doesn't mean a thing. You know, when we're in heaven, you don't brag about, you know, I, I used to be a computer engineer once. It doesn't matter in heaven. We don't care. But we should be happy if we are progressing and learning. We should be happy for it because God wants that. So we have to tell others of the promises of God. Tell about the amazing Word of God. That's why we have to study the Word of God. You know, it was amazing for me to find out, as I was reading poetry from the Bible, that before science declared, before it was a scientific fact, that the waters, all the waters go to the sea, from the mountains to the sea, and go up again, it was already in the Bible. Before medicine realized that on the eighth day, that's the best time to circumcise a male because it has the highest blood clotting, God already said it should be on the eighth day. Oh, Philippines, no, you have to be like, what, 10 years old? Uh, so everybody can laugh at you when you walk funny? Uh, before they thought the earth was flat, there is a figure of speech that says to the ends of the earth. It means to the farthest place. And yes, the Bible also says that to the ends of the earth, to the farthest place. That's the meaning of it. But specifically, the Bible did say that the earth was a sphere. And he hung the earth on nothing, on space. That's why, please, don't tell me that the promises of God is just a fairy tale. You're taking a big risk, my friend, to mock the God who created the world and he revealed his truth in his word. You are at risk of doing that because one day you will face God. There will be a judgment day. So we tell of this, the wonderful blessings of scripture, what we have discovered. I heard somebody say, well, according to scientific fact, that, that, that evolution is really uh, the scientific truth. I said, let me stop you there. Let me stop you there right now. So where did it all begin? Oh, before man, he's probably uh, in the family of the apes. Uh, and then probably before that. And then, and then, and then, and then he ended up with a single cell. And where did that cell come from? From nothing. I said, is it logical that something comes from nothing? Can something come from nothing? So can, let me ask you, can something come from nothing? 
And then, okay, let's talk about science. What is science? Science is when we do experimentation. Remember when we were in school, we have a hypothesis, and then we experiment, yeah? We experiment, we mix chemicals, and then we write our conclusion. Remember that? We have to observe. We have to observe carefully and take the data. Now, let me tell you, let me ask you right now. You claim the earth to be what? Billions of years. Tell me who has observed it. Who has lived more than a billion to observe that this is the scientific truth? So in the end, I said to him, then you believe that not as fact. The truth is you believe that as faith. You trusted what others wrote as scientific process, but it's actually all still a hypothesis, still a theory that's not really, cannot be tangible, cannot be said as, as a fact. And if you look at the process of Darwin, have you, have you read about Darwin and his process? He went to a certain island and observed the animals and probably created links among them. Oh, see, how did you get the data? That's part of the scientific process. What was the methodology? Friends, God's Bible is the Word of God. Now, if you wish a longer discussion, I am more than willing to talk with you. I am more than willing to talk to your professors. And I am more than willing to put up a challenge. Knowing what I believe and knowing what they believe, they believe cannot be proven. So we share the truth of God others we share the promises of God and we mention that God is our shepherd and that's a beautiful thing about what Jacob said God who is my shepherd he has been my shepherd one who took care of me from the start until today God is my shepherd if you look back in life you will see there were ups and there were downs ups and downs in life but then somehow you understood, with a biblical perspective, the purposes of God. Yet, some things we still don't understand. There are some things we will not see or understand. We have to live by faith. You see, Abraham never saw, never saw the great nation in Egypt that was born. He saw his son has a son, has some sons. But that's it. They never saw the multitude. But they trusted God. It will happen. Even though we walk through this earth, our hearts must always be focused on the Lord. Not on the pleasures of the world. Because the pleasures of the world are temporary. It gives us momentary happiness. Momentary happiness but if God said no, then it's no. We sometimes follow our emotions. What we feel is good in the temporary rather than looking on the long term, the eternal perspective. What's the short term? Oh, do extramarital sex. What does that mean? Sex outside marriage. It seems attractive. It may, it may give us some happiness for a short time. But then there are consequences after that. Like, oh boy, uh, HIV is increasing in Naga City. 
reported by DOH, the presidents of the schools here, and one of them shared it to me. It is increasing. And there was even a story of a young man who only did it once, just once, just once, to feel the temporary pleasures of sex, just once, and he contracted HIV. I do mean AIDS. I do mean the problem of the immune system. So I tell you, friends, God is wise when he says no. God is wise. Do not play around with it. God is wise. Oh, but sometimes we are like teenagers. We want the temporary happiness, the temporary relief. We do stupid things. Everybody does stupid things. Well, don't be like that. Rather, do not be intentional in your stupidity. Sometimes our, our emotions are far ahead of wisdom. No, it runs ahead. But once we learn inner strength, once we meditated on Scripture, we anchor ourselves in Scripture. Though sometimes the heart is this, has deceived us, we are deceived. The heart wants to go this way, but because you are anchored up, no way. I am anchored on the Word. God says it's supposed to be this way. Then you bring back, you tame that emotion. You tame that mind. And you submit it to God because you are anchored. No matter how the ship is blown by the wind, we are anchored. No matter at times we are at the edge, yet we are still anchored. So we tell of the promises of God. Hey, do not leave this earth without passing on the truths of God's word. Amen? Please do not leave this earth. And don't think you live forever. Nobody does, right? Oh, we will eternally, praise God. But praise God if some of you said, I have repented of my sins. I have faith in Christ. I truly believe in me. I have received Him. Praise God if you have the assurance of salvation. Amen. But the time to pass on what we learned is here, not there. We tell people when you're in heaven, or you're, when you're in the crystal city, I believe it's a never-ending praise, worship, and prayer. It's a great fellowship we'll have there, never-ending. But the one thing we can no longer do when, when we are with God and with His people, we can no longer share the gospel. The time to share the gospel is now, so we must tell others. We must bless others in the name of Christ by sharing His word and declaring blessings on others. Can you say, I bless you in Jesus' name? Can you just put your hand on the shoulder of the one beside you and you say, I bless you in Jesus' name. Kahit di mo kilala. I bless you in Jesus' name. Now, it's just like a prayer. I pray blessing to you. But then we can also do the practical stuff. Like today, we, Brother Gustavo shared about uh, giving toys. Or we can give something, an opportunity to others. 
It is to bless others in His name. To give time to others, inviting them for coffee and sharing them the gospel. Or inviting them to a Bible discussion or to a growth group. Or me inviting all you young people to uproar, the youth fellowship. After today at, at 2 p.m., we want to connect with you. We, we studied God's word and other stuff that you might enjoy by God's grace. So we invite you to join the growth groups as well because so we can learn to bless one another in his name. And then most of all, at home, we must learn to bless one another at home. But if you are a small family, so sometimes I'm thinking, Lord, uh, the Lord has just led me recently to be a blessing to beyond the core of my family to the other relatives that I have neglected in sharing the gospel. So uh, that has been ringing in my mind on what to do and how to do it. Oh, but you know, raising a family. Uh, fathers, right? Always watch your children. Amen? You're not, you don't believe me? Yeah, yeah, I'm always watching you, okay? Uh, uh, because we are shepherds. God is our shepherd, always watching us. We have to reflect that part of God to shepherd. When I mean shepherd, that's a time you have to love them. You have to correct them firmly at times. You have to bless them. You have to listen to them. And then, you know the hardest part? Raising children is teaching them to love one another. Huh? Do you agree? Oh, yeah. Amen. I have some teaching them to love and forgive one another. But he, but she, but she, but she. I say, okay, okay, but you know, Jesus forgave us. And, uh, and sometimes we offend one another unintentionally and intentionally sometimes. But God wants us to love one another. So uh, as, as parents, as shepherds, we have to do a lot of things. So we must bless others in his name. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say, I bless you, Pastor Ed, in Jesus' name? One of the things you can do for your pastors is to pray for them regularly. You see, if there is somebody who would, the devil would like to attack first, it's me, right? Why? Because if I tumble and fall, a lot of people are, <gasps> you know when they say, when you strike the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. Somebody strikes the shepherd. Even you, please do not strike the shepherd with your words. Be careful with your words. If I am wrong, I am more than willing to humble myself and admit my sin. But if not, please, if it's on the gray, be gracious as I try to be gracious to everyone. Remember to bless one another in Christ's name. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your message. You are our shepherd taking care of us throughout the years. Throughout the years, it's been you. Since the day we were conceived, it was you. We were not accidents who were born on earth. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a reason. Even the mistakes of men you have used for your purpose and glory. We thank you, Lord, that we were born on this earth for a purpose. And we pray that each one here would believe and recognize that you have a purpose for them. And they would seek it with all their hearts. Recognizing you as the shepherd of our lives. The God who promised us through Christ is salvation. 
the one who promised us eternal life, that even if we die, yet we shall live. Lord, I pray, give us good endings in our lives. We may suffer now. Many unpleasant things may happen, but teach us to trust you, knowing that you are the God who plans everything. And whatever ending we have, we receive it as your plan in Jesus' name. Let us all rise. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Palakpakan natin ang Panginoon.